Note, uh, next Sunday, I think we have a slide for this, next that God wants to change our world through the generosity of his sons and daughters. I believe that with all my heart, that God desires, well, let's put it back, let's back up one second. How many of you know God can do anything he wants? Like, God is big, he created the universe, he created everything. How many of you know if God wants to get something done, he's going to get something done? But how many of you also know that he has purposely limited himself to partner with mankind? Right? So, if somebody's going to get healed, how is it going to happen? More often than not, 99% of the time, he says what? You will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. In other words, God purposely limits himself from doing everything because he wants to include us in it, in this love endeavor that he has. So, you know, if someone <laughs> isn't going to get healed because I haven't prayed for them, how many you know that I should probably lay hands on them and pray for them? I don't want to hold back anything that God has, right? Well, the same is true in our generosity, in our giving, whether it's in our money, you know, with our tithes and offerings, we've been talking about that, or whether it's in how we pray for the sick or we prophesy or we are moved in our everyday lives and in terms of buying a meal for someone or do you ever hear that? I don't, I don't know if it's been happening lately, but at Starbucks, there was this one Starbucks where everybody paid for the meal or paid for the thing of the person behind them in the drive-thru. Did you guys hear about this? So you drive up, and the guy would say, well, the car in front of you already paid for yours. And then you would say, well, I'm going to pay for the one behind me, right? And this went on and on for really a long time. I don't remember exactly, but it went on and until some knucklehead decided they didn't want to do that anymore. But it was really cool the way generosity builds on itself, right? It's really awesome. So this morning I want to talk to you a little bit about how generosity, God wants to use generosity, kingdom generosity, to change our world. In the middle of your table you'll find our mission statement for our church. If you want to just grab that or maybe share one with the person next to you. It's a little white card with black print on it. All right. Our mission statement says this, that Epicenter Church is an apostolic revival center building a community in Gurnee that will impact the region with the supernatural love and power of God. If you've been around here for any amount of time, you understand that we feel very strongly that God has called us, like our name says, to be the epicenter of a great and mighty move in this whole area. I don't know what region means exactly. I think God's going to bring us into revelation in that. Region could mean, you know, all the way out here in northern Illinois. It could mean region into Wisconsin or Chicago. It could mean region as in, you know, Ohio, Wisconsin, Indiana, the whole, the whole you know, Midwest region. We don't know what that means. But we do know one thing. The task ahead of us is greater than what we can accomplish. Anybody say amen to that? Like, well, I don't know about you, but, you know, here we're sitting in a fairly small auditorium with a limited group of people, and, you know, turn to the person next to you and tell me if you see Billy Graham sitting there or Bill Johnson. You see Billy Johnson, sit, Bill Johnson right next to you or, you know, Randy Clark or, uh, or uh, any of those guys? Nope. You know what? God is so awesome because he always chooses to use people, ordinary Joes and Josephines, just like us to accomplish amazing and wonderful things, especially if we do it together, if we'll, if we'll bind up together. So 
There's a couple of different passages of Scripture I want to run through. We're going to go through some stuff quick today, so, you know, fasten on your biblical uh, <laughs> seatbelts. We're going to go. Go to Matthew chapter 6 first, if you would. And I want to talk this morning about kingdom generosity, but in particular, giving to the vision. Give to the vision. As you and I both know, if we're going to accomplish great things with God, it requires great resources. It requires great wealth. And we're believing God for all of that. But I'm also believing that God is going to use us as vehicles and as people to, to be used to give towards the vision and to be a part of what he's doing. So Jesus is talking to the crowd one day, and he says this. He, he actually says a lot about money. He teaches a lot about money. But in Matthew 6 here, he goes in a little deeper. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy or where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Everybody say that with me. Treasures in heaven. Where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where my treasure is, there my heart is. We've talked a little bit about this in the past. But we know this to be true. It's just a basic human principle what people value the most, they put most of their money into. Would you agree? That's just how it works. I mean, if I really am, am big on something, I put my money into it. And I have friends that are big on, on cars. There was a youth leader friend of mine uh, when I was in Washington when I first came out of Bible college. And this guy was one of those take old cars and fix them up guys, you know. But, man, I just saw him on Facebook, and he's got some sweet rides, and there's some cool things he's done. And, but, man, how many of you think that takes a little bit of money? Right, Pastor Abbott? <laughs> right, John Hines? <laughs> it takes a little bit of money to take these old cars and make them look good. But I just, I look at him and, and he just has poured every red nickel he has into this thing. And I thought, you know, that's nice. But how many of you know, when everything is said and done, he's not going to be tooling down the streets of gold in heaven in his little, you know, sweet 1945 whatever, right? He's not going to, that's not going to go with us. The only thing we really take with us is what is eternal. And again, there's a lot of scriptures that we haven't been able to deal with on this, but the Bible is filled with this thought that you can't take it with you. Right? If we pour our stuff into stuff that is going to be here on earth, the Bible says it's either it's going to be destroyed or it's going to not look good. <laughs> or... Or it goes to somebody else's, right? Your kids or grandkids or other people. And he says, listen, it's more important to put our eyes with our treasure in heaven, right? And it's interesting, too. And again, I'm not writing this stuff. This is strictly scripture. But Jesus, in the first three words, says what? Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. It's actually not a suggestion, folks. It's a command. He says, listen, don't do this. I'm telling you as your Savior, as your Master, do not store up for treasures on earth. I was reading the book. How many of you have read the book by Ian Carroll, his, uh, his core value revival book? There's a whole chapter in there on, I think he calls it kingdom generosity. And so I actually talked to them about it, and, and I said, hey, you know, dude, I think I'm going to use some of your stuff out of this book. And, and so one of the thoughts that he has is this, that nobody who calls himself a Christian should save for retirement. You ever heard that one before? Yeah, me either. <laughs> that was a new one to me. 
But you know what he was saying? He says, listen, don't make your life focus having a bunch of money so you can go and lay around in Florida. Right? That's not our life focus. And so many people, it's their 401K and it's their retirement and they just, everything's got to be, you know. And he says, listen, you know what? That's not what we're called to. We're not called to coast into eternity, you know, sipping, you know, margaritas or whatever, or lemonades, sitting around a pool and just kind of being bored on the golf course all day. That's, that is not our life's goal. How many of you want to get to the end of our days, you know, screaming across the finish line, right? I love uh, Judy. We had a theological discussion before worship today. And that one song that we were singing, it says, and when my day comes, I forget the exact line, you know, yeah, my strength not failing me, and this idea that we're just kind of going into eternity, all kind of, you know, not there. And she's like, hey, listen, I'm not going across my strength failing. I'm going across in strength, she says. <laughs> like when my time comes, I'm going across in strength. And that's the idea I think Jesus is trying to say. Listen, don't, don't get all wrapped up in how the world thinks. Ask me how I want you to use your resources. Ask God, how, Lord, how do you want me to use this? You know, I, I talk to people, and, they, and they're, they're working, and it's like, you know, <laughs> it's almost as if they're just working for retirement. And I just want to challenge you with that. That being said, how many of you know that we have a retiree happening this week? Kathy Bellavia, her last day is what, Tuesday, right? Tuesday's her last day, and so she's, but you know, what, you know what Kathy says? She's like, she's retiring this week, and she's talked about this so many times with me. She's like, I can't wait to retire so I can do all these things for God. <laughs> you know, like, there's all these things that she feels God wants her to do, and she'll have free time to do it. I really believe that that is the principle here when it comes to our money and our giving. I'll move through this pretty quick today. Verse 24, it goes on. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. (laughs) Again, I'm not writing this because look what it says. You cannot serve God and wealth. You know, you can't serve God and wealth. You can't do both. You can do one or the other, but one of them is going to be in charge. All right? Now, that doesn't mean if you serve God, you don't have any money or anything like that. It just means that money is not your priority. It's not your God, right? And in some of the versions, this talks about mammon. The spirit of mammon is actually a demonic spirit that gets you to serve it instead of serving God. It's a powerful thing. You ever heard the phrase that money is the root of all evil? Anybody ever heard that? It's actually wrong. Did you know that? Money, that's not what the verse says. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. And that's where we're talking about the mammon spirit, this wealth. I've got to serve. I've got to, you know, here's my thing. If you feel tentative about giving to the church with your tithes and that kind of thing, or you feel tentative about giving to other people or buying meals for people or tipping things, here's my thing. The harder it is for someone to give, the greater influence mammon spirit has on you. Okay? That's not easy to say, but it's true. The greater grip that money has on you, and so the tighter you are with your money, the greater the mammon spirit has on you. And Jesus says, listen, you can't serve the mammon spirit and me. He says, you know, 
when I, when I ask you to give, I'm going to, I want it all. Some people get complained. They'll say, well, Old Testament tithing is not in the New Testament. Well, two things. Number one, that's not true. <laughs> Number two is if you don't want to give 10% from the Old Testament, then go to Acts chapter 2, verse 40, uh, 42 to 45. And what does it say? They gave everything. <laughs> like they gave all their stuff away. So, you know, some people backpedal and go, yeah, I, I guess I'll go with tithing. That would be, <laughs> be fine, right? But he says, listen, you can't serve two masters. You gotta, you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Again, that's what Jesus says. Verse 25, for this reason, I say to you. Now, that's an interesting phrase right there. For this reason, I say to you. You see, Jesus is really talking deeply about money here. He says, listen, this is the reason. Because these two gods are vying for control of your life, he says, this is the reason I want to tell you this. And he goes on to say this. Do not be worried about your life. Can we just say that again? Do not be worried about your life. <sighs> Money will be the greatest battle for anxiety and worry in your life. It has the temptation to be the greatest battle for you. How many of you found this to be true? When money is short or you don't have enough, and, uh, you know, and we get anxious and, you know, Philippians chapter 4 talks about this quite a bit. Be anxious for nothing, he says, right? So the Bible is really, so New Testament writer is writing, Paul is writing to the Ephesians, but Jesus says right here, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace... Will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith, exclamation point. <laughs> you of little faith, Jesus says. Do not worry then saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing or will we have enough money for that bill and what about this bill and what about this expense and what about this retirement? Same thing. Verse 32, for the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That is one of the most important, powerful verses. If you aren't memorizing a different verse this week, I would encourage you to get it. Write it down on a card. Matthew 6, 33. He says, listen, again, it's not a command. I mean, it's not a suggestion. Look at that. But seek first his kingdom is a command. He says, listen, if you're going to be a part of me, if you're going to call yourself a believer and a follower of me, he says, listen, the kingdom is priority. The kingdom is first. My kingdom is first. He says, 
and it's interesting, isn't it? How many of you know there's a difference between being somewhere and something happening to you and seeking after something? To really go after it, to look after it. That word seek in the Greek here is not a passive term at all. It's a passionate, powerful, uh, adventurous, you know, uh, term of, of really putting your sweat and your effort into something. He says, listen, don't be passive about this. Seek my kingdom and my righteousness. In other words, the things that are important to me. Seek my kingdom, number one. And... All this stuff will get added to you. But see, most people do it the other way, don't they? They seek all the stuff, and I got to get this, and I got to make this payment, and I got to blah, 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 blah. Man, you know what? And then they hope to kind of have some God stuff time left over. And it's interesting. If you go after wealth, you will ultimately be dissatisfied. <laughs> I've known some rich people in the world, and you know what? The more money they have, they're not, that, they're not any more happy. They're not any more satisfied. There's never enough. And even, you know, people that do have a lot of wealth and gain riches and notoriety or, or <laughs> being famous of some kind, you know, a lot of these people are committing suicide or they're overdosing on drugs and they're trying all these things. Why? Because they get to the pinnacle of wealth and all these things and they realize it's empty. It has nothing. But Jesus says, listen, if you will come after me instead of going after the stuff, he says, come after me. And you'll get the stuff. It's a really awesome thing, isn't it? He says, if you'll get your priorities lined up and come after me instead of after the stuff, then as you come after me, you'll get the stuff. And he says, listen, all these things that we've just been talking about, money and drink and clothing and bills and all that stuff, and all these things will be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom. Everybody put up your finger one time with me, would you? Seek First, the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. All right. So we're talking about the kingdom of generosity, and we're talking about it in the context of, of, uh, of Epicenter Church and our mission here. So Jesus talks about giving to the vision. He does. But we're going to go back a little bit in time. And, again, we're going to read a few things here, but it's an interesting story. Some of you may not have, be aware of this part of the children of Israel's history. Go to Exodus chapter 25. And the story is, that the children of Israel have been in captivity for hundreds of years in Egypt. They know nothing but slavery. God hears their cry for, for being, being freed from that, being released from slavery. He sends Moses with the supernatural signs and wonders of the ten plagues of Egypt and all that. And he, and he, he brings the children of Israel out of captivity and into, on their way to the promised land. Now we've talked about this in the past a little bit. And this idea that you know, if you've lived hundreds of years in slavery, what are you familiar with? Slavery. I would say this. Most people that live in slavery would ha have a hard time living in freedom because they don't have any experience living in freedom. So how many of you know that God, just by bringing them out of Egypt, is taking them to a place they've never been before? Just in terms of slavery, freedom. But on top of that, he says, listen, I'm going to take you into a new land, a promised land, a land filled with milk and honey and, and all these resources and all this beauty, and it's going to be amazing, and I'm, I've set it aside for you. I'm giving it to you. How many of you know going from the making clay 
you know, bricks and the heat and the, and the, the, the dry, dusty awfulness of, of, of slavery in Egypt to the promised land with the Jordan River and all the, you know, the things growing and all the beautiful stuff. How many of you know just ge- ge- geographically that's a huge shift for them? That's a huge change. I want to propose to you today that God is still wanting to take us to places we've never been before, right? Places that really almost seem impossible, but they're actually more amazing than anything we could think or imagine. And so, Exodus 25. (laughs) The Lord spoke to Moses, saying this, Tell the sons of Israel to raise a contribution for me. Who is the contribution for? God, okay? He says, listen, tell the sons of Israel to raise a contribution for me. From every man whose heart moves him, you shall raise my contribution. This is the contribution which you are to raise from them. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet material, fine linen, goat hair, ram skin, dyed red, purpose skins, acacia wood, oil for lighting, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones and setting stones for the ephod and for the breast piece. Let them construct a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them. Now, this is an interesting passage because I just told you that they've been living for hundreds of years in Egypt, right? Now, how many of you know slaves that don't have enough, you know, money or anything to even hardly feed themselves or to do anything, now they're in the wilderness and they've got all this wealth. Anybody know how they got it? Yeah. When he was taking them out of Egypt, when he was setting them free, the Egyptians wanted them to go so bad after the ten plagues that they literally, the, the Bible says that they looted Egypt. In other words, the ones who had been their captors actually gave them gold, silver, money, all this. So when they came out of Egypt, they didn't go out as poor, dirty, poor slaves. They came out as redeemed ones with great wealth, great wealth. They had all these things and more. Other passages list even more. So a little ways into their journey, God says, listen, I want to build a sanctuary for me right in your midst. Now, question, have they had a sanctuary built to him in their history at all up to this point? No, it's a whole new thing. They've only kind of known God through, you know, some kind of vague, you know, really Old Testament stuff. And all of a sudden, now they're in the wilderness. They've got a bunch of money. They've got a bunch of wealth. And God says, listen, now that we've got all these things, I want to do something different with you guys. I'm going to take you to a new place. I'm going to show myself to you in a way you've never seen before. Interesting, isn't it? Again, let me reiterate, God never wants you to be comfortable where you are. He's always keyed in about taking you to new places you've never been before. There are times God asks us to give to the new direction. That's what he's doing here. He's saying, listen, I'm going to take you to a new direction, but I'm asking you to give to the new direction. I'm asking you to give to this new tabernacle. You know, and these are great things of value. <laughs> Can I tell you one of my pet peeves? I think I might have mentioned this before. One of my pet peeves with churches is that people always give 
when they're going to give something other than money, if they're going to give something to the church, more often than not, it's their leftover junk that they've want, they went on and bought a new one, so they're going to give their old one to the church. I can't even tell you how many old, cruddy lawnmowers have been given to the churches that I've been at. Like, people going, well, we went out and bought a brand new riding lawnmower, so here, take this old piece of junk that breaks down every five minutes. Oh, thank you so much for that. Hey, why don't you drive that old, cruddy one and give the brand new one to the church? Hey, how about that for a difference, right? <laughs> Some guy gave a car to the church one time when I was at. I was an associate pastor at the time. And the guy comes in, and he's all spiritual, man. He's going, well... Pastor, I just want you to know, here's a car for the church. And we're like, sweet. We go out to the car, and it's, I swear to you, it had like 180,000 miles on it. It had rust. The wheels were like all kind of bent and everything. And it's like, I'm like, really, dude? And he's driving in this brand new, I don't know, SUV or something or whatever, you know. And I just I felt the same spirit of... Uh, Something, I'm not sure it was godly or not, but it rises up in me. And I wanted to go, dude, why don't you leave that nice ride for the pastor here at the church and you ride that thing out of here, right? What is it about people that we want to give our junk to the church or give God our second best, right? Now, of course, that doesn't apply to any of you. These are other churches I'm talking about. Other churches, right? But I don't, you know, there's this thing, like, here's a thought I had. Why don't we give our best to God? Right? Why don't we give our best to God? Don't give our junk. Give our best. Here's my thought. Give your junk to charity. Give your best to the kingdom. Does that make sense? You know, the goodwill or whatever. If you want to take your stuff there, it's fine. It's good. But I think God, even in this passage and some of these others, seek first the kingdom. Right? What is first? It's, it's the priority. When he talks about tithe, he's saying, listen, bring your first fruit into the, the, the temple. Right? When it talks about first fruit, is it talking about the barrel of the bottle, bottom peaches that are all bruised and gross? No. It's talking about the, the 10% off the top, the best, right? I really feel like God wants to challenge us in this area of saying, God, I want to give you my best. I don't want to give you my leftover time. I don't want to give you my leftover money. I don't want to give you my leftover effort. I'm not going to put my retirement and all that stuff as priority. I'm going to give you the kingdom, number one. And Jesus is saying, or God says here in the Old Testament, he says, listen, Bring all this great stuff, gold, silver, bronze, all these special woods and, you know, expensive stones, etc. He says in verse 8, let them construct the sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them. And isn't that interesting? He's talking about his presence. You know, it's a supernatural thing. Of course, it's the old, it's the old uh, tabernacle, but it's the first thing for them. They haven't experienced this. So quickly, I want to give you two more passages and then uh, before we go. Exodus chapter 35, then we'll jump ahead 10 chapters, and it says this. Then all the congregation of the sons of Israel departed from Moses' presence, everyone whose heart stirred him. Can you say that with me? Whose heart stirred him. You know, we only ever do anything out of the heart, do we? The heart is the most important thing, really. When our heart stirs us to do something, we know we should do it, don't we? Right? So he says, listen, everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him came and brought the Lord's contribution for the work of the tent of meeting and for all its services and for all the holy garments. In other words, this whole tabernacle thing that God had said. Verse 22, then all whose hearts moved them, both men and women, 
came and brought brooches, brooches and earrings and signet rings and bracelets, all articles of gold. So did every man who presented an offering of gold to the Lord. Verse 23, every man who had in his possession blue and purple and scarlet material and fine linen and goat's hair and ram skin dyed red, etc., etc., etc. Verse 24, everyone who could make a contribution of silver and bronze brought the Lord's contribution and every man who had in his possession acacia wood for any work of the service, brought it. All the skilled women spun with their hands and brought what they had spun. And it talks about women giving and and using their hands to build these things and the different garments. And the rulers in verse 27, they bring stones and they bring all these beautiful things. Jump down to verse 29. It says this. The Israelites, all the men and women whose heart moved them to bring material for all the work which the Lord had commanded through Moses to be done, brought a free will offering to the Lord. So you kind of get this idea that God says, listen, I want you to bring all this stuff. And now here in chapter 35, they catch it. They go, yeah, let's do that. Let's start bringing our stuff and the good stuff. Let's bring the good stuff. All the stuff that they've looted from Egypt, the the best, the gold, the blah, And he brings it all in. And he says, listen, this is two, two thoughts I had on this. It says, their hearts were stirred. Oh, have you had your heart stirred with something? You know, maybe it's, you know, sometimes it's God will waken you in the night and he'll give you a thought that you didn't have before. Other times you'll see a need, you know, somebody, like we've talked about, in a grocery store or somebody less fortunate than yourself, and you, you just feel like God wants me to do something about this right now, and so you do it. But your heart is stirred. Maybe you're in church and there's a, a thing happening or a, maybe one of these speakers this next coming weeks, you're going to go, man, you know what? God really wants to, me to speak into that ministry or to speak into that life. And he'll stir you to do something about it. When our hearts are stirred, something happens. The other thing I notice here, if you read this whole passage, how often the phrase everyone or every man or all the skilled women is mentioned. I mean, it's probably ten times in this passage. What does that tell you? That it wasn't just a few rich people doing it. It was everybody. You know, you know what I love about the tithe? Because God doesn't say, bring this amount of money. He says, bring this percent of your money to me. So if you make 100000 a year, you know, 10% of that. Or if you make 10000 a year, 10% of that. We're all in this thing together, right? It's so awesome that God really is calling all of us to be on board. And so then... Exodus 36, we'll wrap it up here. Then Exodus 36, verse 2, it says this. Then Moses called Bezalel and Ohiliab. These are the two main guys that were putting the tabernacle together. They're very skilled guys. And every skillful person in whom the Lord had put skill, everyone whose, here it is again, heart stirred him to come to the work to perform it. In other words, there were certain people that God was calling, not just to give the stuff, but to put all the stuff together to make this tabernacle, okay? Now, verse 3, watch this. This is really gets amazing. They received from Moses all the contributions which the sons of Israel had brought to perform the work in the construction of the sanctuary. And they continued bringing to him freewill offerings every morning. And... All the skillful men who were performing all the work of the sanctuary came, each from the works which they were performing, and said to Moses, verse 5, the people, 
It's one of my favorite passages in the whole scripture right here. You ready? Verse 5. And they said to Moses, the people are bringing much more than enough for the construction work which the Lord commanded us to perform. Verse 6. So Moses issued a command and a proclamation was circulated throughout the camp saying, let no man or woman any longer perform work for the contributions of the sanctuary. Thus the people were restrained from bringing any more, for the material they had was sufficient and more than enough for all the work to perform it. And every pastor in America said, amen. <laughs> every deacon in America, amen. Can you, do you understand what they're saying here? The people were so stirred in their hearts for the vision that God had laid over them to say, listen, I'm going to be in a tabernacle. I'm going to be right here with you. It's a whole new thing for you guys. And they caught the vision. They caught it in their heart, and it was stirred. And they said, here, here, take some more. Here, take some more. Bring some more. And finally, the guys who were putting their tabernacle together had to say, hey, Moses, you got to tell them to stop. But there's not enough room to build this thing, and we have too much stuff to do it. How many deacons or ex-deacons do we have in the room right now? One, two, okay, for example, love you. This is not a problem we usually have at our deacon meetings, right? Am Am I safe to say that? This is usually not a problem where we say, wow, there's just too much money. But here's my thing. I believe it will be. I do. I believe we're going to get to a point, and it's not too far off, where God is going to actually have, we're going to have too much money I'm not doing what to spend it on. I'm sure we'll figure it out. Hallelujah. Right, Andrew? (laughs) I just love this. You see, when God catches our heart for his vision, how many of you think in an Old Testament version of what Jesus said in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And he says, if you'll do that, then all these things are going to be added unto you. I don't ever see from here on in where the people lacked in anything. In fact, they still had so much left over that even when they sinned and built a golden calf to worship, remember when Moses was on the mountain? They still had all the gold they need to make a whole other idol and go on with that, right? There's two things on that. God still wants to use us even in our stupidity, amen, hallelujah. And the second thing is we're never going to lack When we put first the kingdom, he promises, and all these things will be added unto you. You're not going to lack if you put first the kingdom and you give it a priority of saying, God, you first and your kingdom. Amen. Why don't we stand to our feet this morning? uh, Okay. 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 Okay, I'll try to make this quick. But uh, many years ago, when I, uh, right before I came to the Lord, my husband left me, and I had two small kids at home. And uh, 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 someone had broken into my place and taken almost everything. But anyway, this, what Satan meant for evil, turned out to be good. It led me to the Lord. When I gave my lo- uh, life to the Lord, I remember reading that scripture. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything will be added. Also, about tithing. So, I decided to set my heart upon that. 
I just started seeking God. I didn't worry about anything. I just started seeking God. All of a sudden, everything changed for me. The storehouses of blessings came to me. I was able to prosper on my job. God gave me wisdom on my job. I got promoted. I never remarried again, but God supplied. My kids grew up. God supplied uh, money for my son to spend, finish art school, to go to art school. My daughter got a master's degree, and uh, I was able to buy a house and pay for the house in cash. Also, I had a good friend who became a Christian on my job. She uh, was very, very wealthy. When she left here, I remember years ago, her dad gave her a mink coat. So when she left and went to Florida, I asked her, I said, what did you do with that mink coat? She said, it's still in my house over there in Lindenhurst. She said, if you want it, go get it. I went over there, and she told me I could take anything in that house I wanted. I wind up with all the furniture that she left and a $20,000 mink coat. Later on, Pastor Abbott, when we had our building, building, what do you call it, building fund, I really wanted to give some money, and I asked God to put it on my heart. What should I give? And I'm telling you, God put on my heart a lot of money. I didn't have it at the time, then all of a sudden it came to me. I gave thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars to the building fund. God has supplied everything. When I went to Russia with Pastor Abbott and the missionary group, I didn't have any money. But God opened the storehouses of blessings and the money came in. Today I can stand and say those scriptures are true. I owe no man anything, no money, no bills, nothing but love. So praise his holy name. That's awesome. That's really good. We don't have time for everybody this morning, but how many of you would lift your hand and say that that testimony is also true of your life? Look around you. Just leave your hand up for a second. Look around you. These are people that have said, my money is not my God. My God is my God, and I can, he can do what he wants with my resources. Amen? And God always comes through. I mean, we've heard even Shannon, she was giving testimony a couple weeks ago about her car and money and all this stuff. Man, I'm telling you, if we will get our priorities with, lined up with God, with his kingdom thoughts, then there's no lack. There will never be a lack. I'm not saying we don't go through, you know, some rough times and different things. But there is, a, there is a principle here that is from God, and it is true. Amen.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand together today. We're going to take an opportunity to take an offering right now. And, uh, you know, <laughs> can I just tell you that uh, we're not ashamed to talk about money here because money is a big deal. It's a big deal to God. We just heard from him. We heard testimony of it. We read it in Scripture. And uh, I just want you to ask one thing. Put your hand on your heart. And the only thing we require, really, of people when it comes to giving is that, you, that we would be obedient to what God says, to be obedient. So, Lord, we just ask you right now, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us like you speak to us in all these other areas about your love, about your worship in you and all the things we've experienced even today. Father, we know right now that you don't stop talking to us about money because it makes some people uncomfortable or because, you know, we're, we're battling a mammon spirit. So, Lord, right now we just say that you are number one. Lord, we just say your kingdom come and your will be done. Lord, we're going to seek first your kingdom. So we ask, Holy Spirit, just speak to us. What would you have me do? Just ask them that question. What would you have me do? What would you have me do? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> and it, I just, if it scares you, what he just told you, then that's exciting. That's actually the best news. Because he's telling you, don't rely on your ability, rely on my ability. Amen. So, Lord, I bless this offering that we're taking right now. I bless the giving of your kingdom. Lord, as we've learned over these last few weeks, we're not just taking an offering. We're not just giving. We're actually planting seeds, God, into the harvest. We're actually planting seeds that are actually going to grow and are, are not only going to bless the world around us, but they're going to bless us. You're going to give all these things unto us when we seek first your kingdom. So we just thank you for that. We bless it to your kingdom and to the futuring of the mission and the vision of Epicenter Church, God. Thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So feel free to just put stuff in the, in the bags, if you would, and then the ushers will collect that for us. If you want to give on the kiosk, uh, Shannon, you want to take a look at that? It, it's, not, it's not lit up. Could you take a look at that? We'll get the kiosk going here. Or you can give on your smartphones. Uh, there's uh, Faith. Actually, go to our website. That's the easiest way to do it. Uh, and so God bless you. Have a great six weeks. <laughs> I'll see some of you sooner, but if not, be blessed. It's going to be the best six weeks of Epicenter's life. Amen? In Jesus' name, be blessed.